Test one, two, test one, two. Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Nick Reynolds, Steve Harness, and Cousin Brewski. The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Take one. Welcome to the program, The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. All of Brewski. Back at it for another compelling show. Yes. You don't believe me? Just stick around and find out, dude. I'll prove you wrong. That's compelling right there. So, what episode are we on, gentlemen? Have we lost count? I would say uh, forty, maybe. Is it forty? Mm, close, close. No, we haven't hit forty yet. And we're at the prime uh, episode age of thirty-seven. Wow! If we were a woman, we'd be uh, a cougar. Thirties cougar age? That's milf age still. Uh, okay. I think you got to get north of fifty to be a cougar. Really? Thirty-seven, I think, is prime woman, dude. That's, I mean. That, well, I should say, my wife just turned 46. That's freaking prime woman right there. <laughs> right. I don't know what that is pretty prime. So. Nick, you're the champion. Take it away. Oh, thank you for uh, calling me a champion. Hey, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen of the vocal minority, uh, welcome to the program. We're all interested in music. Have you ever wondered, why did music used to affect me differently? Maybe it's affecting you differently now, but have you ever wondered as a whole, uh, why doesn't music give me goosebumps anymore? Uh, I feel bad for you if that's the case. Does it still give you goosebumps, Harness? Uh, it does. But um, as I think back over my life, I, I've, I've noticed periods in my life where it ebbs and flows for sure. Like in my late teens and into my early 20s, I was a full-time musician, so it had a whole different kind of thing going on. And then getting into radio, that kind of shifted a little. I would say in my 30s, I kind of faded off a little on following music. I was too busy being a parent. But mm. now that I'm in my prime of my mid-40s, um, back in full swing on music and plenty of goosebumps going on. Do you uh, have and flow like that, Brewski, where you're into music and then take a break for a few months? No, I mean, I do definitely have times when... I'll listen to certain artists. Get the groove. Yeah, there's there's your core that you that you always listen to, but then you you know you might start listening to something else in particular or a particular artist. Sure, because you you something remind reminds you of someone that you used to listen to, and you sure. say, "Oh gosh, I haven't heard heard them in a long time." Yeah, that well, makes sense. But you don't feel you ever have musical droughts where you've gone six months, you're just not really listening. No, nothing like that, no. I Stop. wonder if we're all different because we do work in radio, which is music. And, uh, you know, I'm a former full-time musician, but I play guitar. Nick plays guitar. I, I wonder if we're anomalies or not because we have so much music in our lives that a lot of other people don't, you know? I don't think so. The article I'm going to read to you guys also talks about why a certain type of person generally listens to a certain type of music and what that, uh, whatever genre they listen to, what that says about them as a person. And of course it's not a hundred percent, right? But I mean, it kind of, uh, will show us that, oh yeah, I know people and that's exactly how they are. I think it speaks to a cool factor with any person. There's some people that are just a little hipper with music. It is more a part of their life or whether they're, you know, playing guitar or not, but, uh, they're just musically inclined. Like my oldest sister, I don't think she listens to a whole lot of music. I mean, she goes to some concerts, but it's not a big part of her life. But my other sister and I, music has always been a big part of our lives. Yeah, yeah. It's real interesting. You know, I'm not a father, and I uh, always thought uh, if I became a father at some point that, like, me interjecting some of my musical taste into my kid would be something Uh, that I would not only find really cool, but somewhat important 
Um, and I haven't had the chance to do that except with like nieces and nephews and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, it's hit or miss, dude. Sometimes I just look at you like, why, why, why are you into this? And I, music is supposed to be like fun, kid bop, stuff like that. But right. I just found out, dude, that, uh, Coden, uh, my nephew, he is going into high school this coming year and, uh, he sent me his playlists on Spotify. I was blown away, dude. I mean, he's, first of all, he's getting into hip hop, which, you know, I'm not against hip hop, but it's not, I don't have a lot of it on my Spotify. So I listen to a lot of stuff and he's, uh, he's really getting into some cool stuff. He's, he's getting a musical personality is what I would say. I've had some, um, parental musical victories of late. Um, Really? Yeah, I mean, my kids have been around the radio station, obviously, for years, and uh, I always have it playing in the car and whatnot. And uh, on one level, both of my kids, I've been impressed when something old comes on, Queen or Zeppelin or something. They're like, oh, hey, is that Queen? Like, they they identify the artist. I'm very impressed by that. Um, Neo, my oldest, my 17-year-old, obviously into uh, musicals and theater and all that, but um, has a pretty wide category of her own uh, personal music list. But my son, in the past couple of weeks here, it's been quite interesting. I got a, a dual Spotify account, and he has the other account now. And he right. asked me for it because he wanted commercial-free music and more options on editing playlists. And hmm. I was very impressed by that. But then, here's the big one. He came right. to me this week, and he said, Dad... I want to learn how to play the guitar. Will you teach me? Oh, wow, dude. That is a very proud moment in your life, I'm sure, dude. Didn't he play? Didn't you have say he played the drums with you guys sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. He messes around with the uh, the drum kit behind me, and he was actually playing on it last night. But uh, guitar has intrigued him, and I had to give him the uh, Daniel son, Mr. Miyagi talk. You know, you're going to learn the fundamentals first. Then you can learn whatever song you want. But I'm going to teach you to wax on, wax off. You may not find it fun at first. But if you're serious about this, yeah. get through all the boring stuff. Yeah, and I explained that that's how you have to learn. It's how I learned guitar. Like, I spent a couple of months learning all the chords and scales, and I kind of got to a point of, like, this is kind of boring. And then the teacher's like, all right, what song do you want to learn? And I told him a song. He's like, all right, that B minor chord, you know, that's the first chord. The G major I taught you, that's the second chord. I was like, I get it now. You taught me all the fundamentals, and now I can apply that to any song. So I told Cross, if you're going to be serious about it, you can pseudo borrow one of my guitars, and I will teach you. So we'll see how it goes. Going to give him the Paul Reed Smith, dude? Hell no. Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to get the Ibanez that's in the uh, closet back there. If Ibanez is good enough for Nuno Betancourt, it's good enough for for your son. That's right. That's a little extreme, Brisky. There's Crosby playing the drums right there. Testing. Gentlemen, uh, we talked, uh, you know, off the air, and I was telling you that I would take uh, three of your songs, and we would just play a couple of clips from them so we can uh, start the article out that way. Did you understand the assignment? Are these three songs the songs that still (laughs) give you chills? Yeah, so Nick texted us last night, and he said, give me, I think you said two songs, but Bruce and I offered up three, I think, but you said, give me two songs that give you goosebumps. And I don't know, I didn't I didn't have to ponder it too long. I know I gave it three, but one of them is kind of a joke. The two, at least, <laughs> definitely still give me goosebumps. Brewski? Well, one of my songs, you know, not many people will know. That one is more of a, I mean, it gives me goosebumps, but it's more of an emotional thing because it reminds me of something in particular or someone because of the lyrics versus the last song that I gave you. That one, 
I just hear that that opening guitar riff on that. I immediately get goosebumps. Yeah. All right. I think music can work that way, too. Sometimes you get goosebumps from the actual song, and sometimes it connects to emotions that you were feeling at the time or experiences of life at that time. For me, and I know for most people, I'm not alone, that music takes you back to you know, a place in your life where like you really feel like you're there during that song. And yes, that film strip of reminiscing is rolling through your mind as you're listening to it. And that can give you the chills for sure. Yep, absolutely. So again, the premise of this article is why don't you get goosebumps as you get older? Is that the idea? Yes. Okay. And it is fast. I mean, I found it fascinating. Uh, Vi- it's an article I found on Vice News, uh, Netherlands. So. Oh, that's the good version of Vice. So good. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Harness, uh, this is number one on your list, I'm assuming. This terrible silence. Oh, that's a play on words. Now that the war is through with me, I'm waking up, I I won't say that that's the goosebump uh, aurea, you know, uh, that, that's not the part of the song that gives me goosebumps per se, but sure. yes, the whole song for sure. Am I supposed to explain any of this or what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, when you gave that song, the first thing I think about is the video for that song on MTV. I Johnny was, got his gun. Yeah, it was so disturbing to me. Oh, I shouldn't say disturbing, but it was very dark, dude. And that formed the way I hear that song all the time now. Yeah, I prefer not to watch that video, mainly because they interject clips from the movie into the yeah. song. And I don't need that crap. <laughs> Dialogue, but, uh, right? Yeah. That is what the song's about, though. Somebody who has no arms, no legs is just laying there alive but not really and can't talk but, yeah can't hear. but for me that song uh, it starts as a lullaby and it ends as a nightmare i mean it's so melodic and soothing at the start and that is just rocking by the end but the double bass drum in the middle i always say is the greatest heavy metal riff of all time there's a like that just freaking gives me goosebumps it makes me want to slam into whoever's next to me so yeah that was a, a formative song for me was that master of puppets or bef- after master of puppets uh that's off and justice for all which would have oh, been okay. after master of puppets so. all right yep all right, number two on your list, Steve Harness. Your I just got the chills, dude. Nice. All right, so Pearl Jam Alive. I mean, that's one of the songs like Brewski was talking about. It kind of crosses over uh, musically, and it has a lot of emotional meaning to me. You know, I was a huge Pearl Jam fan, the first kid in my town to discover them, and that was the song that I heard late night on MTV. And it just it blew me away. What a great, like, blues rock song, but then that driving anthem sort of chorus and freaking Eddie Vedder. I mean, and I, you know, I, I worship everyone in Pearl Jam. So I grew an affinity for that song, discovering it and telling everyone in my town about it. It. And then as I started playing guitar, I learned how to play the entire 10 album. I would just sit there and play, you know, from track one all the way through. And Alive was one of my favorites to play because I would always do my own guitar solo. You know, I knew the right wow. scale and key, and I always thought that was fun. But then when I joined South Normal, my first rock band, they only did a couple of cover songs, and Alive was one of them. 
So I got to play the song on stage in front of our audiences and truly do my own guitar solo. And Did that hype people up, dude? Was the crowd just nuts? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, because this was early 90s, so everyone, you know, everyone already knew the song. And so to feel like I was, you know, Mike McCready, like to be up there. Right. Yeah. So that song really, uh, it does give me goosebumps musically and emotionally. All right, on to song number three as we move onward. I write the songs that make the whole world You say now, Stephen, that this is kind of a joke, but when we talk about, like, the emotion and where a song can take you, does this not bring you back to your childhood? Listen, in some levels, Barry Manilow, I write the songs that make the whole world sing, that makes the young girls cry. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but it makes them cry. People (laughs) used to throw their pants at Barry Manilow, (laughs) or or, not pants, panties, right? (laughs) Hey, who knows? They threw it all at him, so... (laughs) Now, as we've talked about the show before, my mom was a huge Barry Manilow fan, and that's all I heard as a kid. So it does give me goosebumps in a sort of nostalgic, takes me back to me a little kid in you know, mom's house playing that stuff. And I do have a certain level of respect for Barry Manilow. He is a good performer and all that, but obviously uh, a little on the cheesy side. But I write the songs. I mean, what a Does it give you chills? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And, uh, like I said, right, dude. more emotional yeah, than musically respectful. But yeah, the Manilow song that does it for me is a song called "Ready to Take a Chance Again," which is from a, a great movie called Foul Play, which starred um, Goldie Hawn and um, Chevy Chase. Funny movie, great movie. I don't know that, that I ever saw that movie, but I know the song well for sure. Yeah. Oh, the, the movie's a lot. The movie's a lot of fun, actually. But the song, you listen to the lyrics. There's one lyric that says, you know, when she left me in all of my despair. And you're like, okay, what guy or what woman hasn't been in that moment in your life where someone has walked out on you <laughs> and you're like, what do I do? Right. You know, and then Barry it, Manilow it, touching souls, even on yeah. with this heart in Boston heart, you still <laughs> feel the love of Barry Manilow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bruce, well, you, I, with your three songs, you went, uh, I mean, this is 180 from Barry Manilow stuff. <laughs> well, so right. is Metallica and Pearl Jam in fairness, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we played those too right yeah brewski uh your first song is uh stuck on you uh who's it by failure failure yes all right i had never heard this song let's see if it gives us chills i claimed i didn't care for you but you first got trapped inside my head over and over again you played yourself to death Where is this band out of, Brewski? They're out of L.A., and they've been around forever. And as a matter of fact, there's a documentary that just came out, and it's about failure. When you see the the people, if you watch the trailer, the people who are in this documentary talking about failure, Mm. everybody from Haley, from Paramore, to Tommy Lee, uh, I mean, just different people who are just like, this is the band that other bands like to listen to. Interesting. I don't know why I've never heard of them. Have you heard of them, Harness? I've heard the song before, but it's been years, and I couldn't pick them out of a lineup, so that's a good uh, choice, (laughs) That album is called Fantastic Planet, and what makes that album so interesting is that musically, I think it's perfect from beginning to end, but there's also little sound clips interspersed on the songs from the movie Fantastic Mm. Planet. 
Okay. Which was which was an animated movie that came out in the early seventies, a French one, and it's really kind of disturbing if you watch it. Uh number two on your list uh, belongs to Depeche Mode. It's called uh what in your room. Yes. Great in concert, Depeche Mode. What yeah. is it about that one that gives you the chills, Brewski? You know what? That one is kind of like, it's a real kind of sexy song, especially mm. when you know the lyrics. You know, will you lead me to your armchair, you know, your favorite slave? There's a sexiness to it right. that, that has a, there's another Depeche Mode song that I find real sexy called Useless for a different reason. There's a guitar that they come back to a few different times. That one little guitar part, the song is a good song, but that one guitar part. Gets you. Yeah, it's just, it just sounds sexy as hell, you know? I like that uh, we're tapping into the, the sexy side of Brewski. That that's what resonates with them. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, this song that I'm going to play now was the third on your list. Uh, Dead Can Dance, The Carnival Is Over. Yeah. Uh, okay. (laughs) I won't say anything about it. Let's just listen. Is this early 80s, like, synth stuff, or is it new, or what? No, 90s. 90s. This part, this this is the part that always gets me in particular. I remember when you held my hand in the park we used to play when the circus came to town. And Mm. uh, that that whole song always reminds me of my Nana, where we used to go to the park. Because my my grandparents didn't have a lot of money, so we would would just go and do fun things like that together. Right. to hear Brendan Perry singing that song, and it's just it's it's a beautiful song. It really Hit is. You, dude, are you emo- you're getting emotional a little bit now, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, oh. that's see, dude, that's this is what I uh, this is what I wanted out of this article right. is it is the power of music is unbelievable. Right. Yeah, the soft side of Brewski. I like this. The soft, <laughs> sexy side of Brewski. Dude. <laughs> Next time we get in an argument, should I play one of these songs to open oh, your? <laughs> oh, you're, you know, you're not playing Dead Can. You playing? You know, the carnival is over by Dead Can Dance, and I'm going to start crying. So, nice. you know, All you right, keep that in our back that. pocket, Nick. For I got, like, it, the, I got it on the soundboard. We found Brewski's kryptonite. So, all right. <laughs> all right, we'll go into the three that I picked here, and I, I don't know, Steve. You said you knew right away. I really struggled to think about the songs because. I mean, I, I guess I have so many different ones. It was hard to narrow it down for me. It's that emotional connectivity. You th- you asked me what gives you goosebumps, and I just immediately start to think what songs connect those dots, and those songs just pop right in my brain. I could probably give it you fifty more too. But right. oh, yeah, yeah, top yeah, of yeah. mind, you know. Okay, yeah, this comes very good timing for this one. Uh, this is uh, we don't have to discuss this, but that fourteen years today, uh, my father passed away. Right, yeah. so I'm putting my list together, and I'm thinking, uh, what gives me chills? And I'm like, the first thing that came to mind was. I don't know why the song I was listening to a lot when my dad was sick. All mm. right. And it always takes me back and not even in a bad way, kind of in a good way, a little bit of both. How can I try to explain 
the same, same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go. It's Cat uh, Stevens, father's son. And uh, yeah, I guess it's just one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and like we were talking about, it takes me back to that place where... Uh, well, I listened to it with my dad a lot, and then after he passed away, I listened to it a lot then too, and it just kind of makes me think of him, I guess. Now, nice. uh, yeah, so it's a great know. Cat Stevens song, and you said you had liked it for years before, but mainly associated with your dad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. right on. Uh, and you know, uh, are we all so- going to cry today? How's the show going? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Funny, my songs made me want to break stuff. You guys are uh, getting emotional. <laughs> so, the uh, and just a side note, uh, you know, you guys know I love Dave Matthews. Uh, he covered this song during the quarantine, and I got to tell you, dude, it is one of the greatest covers I've ever heard. Nice. So I go back and forth. Right. All right. Uh, number two on my list. This I also like because there's a melancholy side of it and there's also a little sexy side to it. Uh, but it gets me every time. Soften my dreams with your side. Tell me you love me for me. everything about this song casinos then you can tell me goodbye i like to i like to hear your oldies influence and all this stuff that's good yeah all right good yeah Uh, that's got all three of mine that gave me chills were oldies interesting isn't that interesting i would i just assumed uh they would either all three be dave matthews or at least one of them would be so i couldn't do it i thought i felt like it was too do on the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No Bristol Stomp, Nikki. No Bristol Stomp. I, you know what, dude? I, when it comes to that, I'm not really into fun music. I want music to make me sad. I love I was, sad music. So I was going to no. pick Sugar Shack as one of my songs, but <laughs> okay. I mean, I can get on. I can get it on to you know, dancing in the moonlight, a little King Harvest, a little love. Yeah. Music, but I don't want any Bristol Stomp. All right. No, at the hop by Danny and the Juniors no. or anything like that. Just can't a big uh, Everly Brothers fan too. I'm <laughs> oh my God, Let It Be Me by the Everly Brothers or oh, Kathy's Clown? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Number so three on my list uh, is an artist named Barbara Lewis. Hello, Hello stranger. It seems so good to see you back again. How long has it been? I find this a very sexy song. It is. Is that the whole uh, the sexiness? Is that what resonates with you? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, I knew my wife since second grade, but we didn't get married until like 14 years ago. And there was this big time lapse between there. And I think it just hits me to be like, uh, that's maybe part of our story, right? Takes yeah. me into that. 
It's funny because that sort of, um, it wasn't in the movie, but it reminds me of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance from Back to the Future. (laughs) That sort of old school, you know, kind of dancing music. So that's cool. Right on. All right. Let's get into this. Does this mean we're like emotionally mature or something because we still can goosebump out? You'll find out. Okay. Why does the music give me goosebumps anymore? When I was 13, I attached a chain to my jeans and sang along with Avril Lavigne on my MP3 player. (laughs) After my 16-year-old heart got broken, I sat on my bedroom floor crying and listening to Bon Iver. I remember sitting in the car with friends listening to our favorite songs for hours. I remember getting goosebumps when we put on Arcade Fire. I once welled up as Portishead concert. I remember being fully convinced the song Glory Box had changed my life forever. Part of this makes me feel old, that she's reminiscing about Avril Lavigne when she was young. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Now I'm 29. This music still means a lot to me. When I hear Glory Box, I have flashbacks of dancing bodies, the smell of sweat, beer, tears, all that. Many of these old songs are still my most listened to songs on Spotify. They even rank higher than artists like Big Thief or Phoebe Bridger. Uh, I've been listening to those artists on repeat in recent years, but I just don't get the goosebumps I used to 10 years ago. It almost feels like new music isn't as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Do we feel that way? Well, I think every generation always feels that way at some point, that this was not as good as mine, but I've heard that from every generation, so one of us has to be wrong, right? But I think, though, when you just are dismissing it out of hand, that's one thing, but when you have a valid musical opinion, speaking about the amount of auto-tune, and that's why you don't like current music, I think that's more valid, because you're hitting at a performance level. Why they're doing this, and why it's not as pure as what you would normally hear someone just performing in person. Yeah, We all work in radio, and programming music and picking what you think is relevant is all a big part of it, so I want to say on one level, we have a more objective way of looking at music than maybe the average person. And if you start to break down musical decades, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I mean, there's some tide-changing artists that came out in all of those decades that whether it's, you know, Motown in the 50s and 60s or the grunge into the 90s. I mean, there's was some major artists that changed the, the face of Landscape, music at the time. Yeah. If you look back at the last 10, 15 years, I would struggle to come up with an artist who has revolutionized or started a new trend or something. like. See, but we might say that, but like your firstborn Neo... Uh, they might be like Taylor Swift completely changed the landscape of music for their generation, you know. And but I mean, probably I, would say that. that. You're right. But, but that, that's a singer-songwriter thing. So that's that's not something new, though. You, I you would argue I mean? that Taylor Swift has written lots of great songs and had lots of big hits, but has she uh, reinvented the wheel, which may almost be impossible at this point in musical history. So I don't know. But every generation always thinks that uh, either their music is the best or certainly the current generations is the worst. So I'm trying to look at it with a grain of salt that sure. that can't be entirely true. But I don't know. What do you think? Let me tell you what the article thinks, yeah. um, because I pretty much agree with exactly what you said. It almost feels like new music isn't as good as it used to be, but as film director John Waters put it, no, the hit records of your generation are not better than today's. As soon as you stop listening to new music, your life is over. You're an old fart. This got me thinking, how come I'm less blown away by new releases? To find out, she got a hold of this guy named Tom Turb. Boat, a cultural uh, psychologist and professor of pop music at the University of Utrecht. All right. Okay. 
she asked some questions and I'm going to read them that way. Sure. She said, I've recently realized I'm less moved by music than I was as a teen. Why is that? He says, many people experience this. There are basically two periods in a person's life when music is very important. During your adolescence and when you're very old. Between ages 14 and 22, music is a soundtrack to everything you experience. And you experience a lot during this period. Yeah, formative years, sure. You distance yourself from your parents, spend more time with friends. Most people enter into romantic relationships, discover their sexuality. These are all very important steps in growing up, and music fits into all of that very well. What is his definition of very old? I can't wait to hear this. Keep in mind, I didn't write this, so I'll I'll tell you, dude. Yeah. These are all very important steps in growing up, and music fits in well. A lot of music is about what it means to be young, fall in love, be let down by someone. That's exactly why music is important at this stage of your life. This is also a time in your life when your taste in music is formed, the foundation of it all. We see it's already partly formed by the time you're 14, and it's matured into what you love by age 22. Okay, I'd agree with that. Uh, she asked, so will I spend the rest of my life listening to the music I loved when I was a teenager? He says, your music tastes don't change much after the age of 22, but you can still discover new music. Of course, it'll just always be connected to the music you like during your teenage years in one way or another. To give a personal example, I used to be very into disco and dance. Then when new electronic dance music surfaced, I immediately became very keen on the genre. I used to love soul too, which is now translates into my love for R&B and hip hop. And when I hear a nice indie rock band, it reminds me of the new wave music of the 70s. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. And I would say that's right on the money for me. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've discussed before that growing up through 18, I didn't have a lot of musical exposure. So most of my exposure to anything older than what was current in the early 90s was between the ages of 18 and 25-ish, I would say. But it was all in the rock and roll wheelhouse. So I may have expanded into loving Chuck Berry or CCR, the Beatles, but it was all sort of based on my love of rock and roll from Pearl Jam to Metallica was what I was into at those times. So it all has stayed in the rock and roll wheelhouse. So that's that's probably pretty fair we worked at an oldies station uh during part of the yep. some of those years and that um, was part of my education and uh, what did you fall in love with that music or did you find it corny oh no uh, i mean something like jimmy gilmer the sugar shack i was joking earlier like that's a cheesy little you know novelty song fun but, yeah but you know i mean on my spotify playlist right now is the five stair steps Ooh child like that was something i discovered then uh doby gray drift away is on there i got the righteous brothers on my playlist all the motown ccr the beatles i mean so yeah i didn't i found that we played some cheesy songs but we had a lot of really great artists elvis i always thought elvis was cheesy and then yeah. i get into in the ghetto and kentucky rain and i'm like whoa elvis is pretty freaking cool actually you know yeah it's not all hound dog you know <laughs> right it's not a mall sugar right brewski what about you my friend we listen to a lot of oldies at my parents house right that's kind of what i i listened to with my parents growing up in the 70s there wasn't a lot of rock in my house because my dad was really into um blood sweat and tears and america and that sort of thing so not a lot of hard rock and then my parents kind of got into disco which i liked as a kid and then it wasn't really all that big into it in the 80s until i heard girls on film by duran duran and when you listen to that and you listen to the bass line in it you can just tell the, the disco influence in it 
that reminded me then that there's other music that inspired the music that I was currently listening to. Right. That's exactly what he's saying. Like the, you lay the foundation young and it has something to do with it as you get older. Yeah, I agree. How exactly does your music taste develop during your teenage years? You ask, first of all, your taste in music is formed by the time you live in. Obviously we just talked about it. People had different tastes in the 17th century than they do now. The place where you live is also important. People in China or Nigeria listen to different music than we do. Uh, although uplifting songs in 4-4 beats seem to do well almost everywhere. And I would actually argue a lot of American and British music is super popular in every country, but not so much with their music in our country. I think right. there is something universal about good old American rock and roll. For sure. Your parents play an important role in forming your taste in music, though not as much as your friends do. Research shows that this goes both ways. Your music tastes play a role in the choices you make when finding your friends, and in turn, your friends influence your musical taste once you found them. That's fair, yeah. yeah. I don't know that I would love Dave Matthews if Nick didn't turn me on to him uh, eons ago, so that definitely happens. I also repel. Like I had a bunch of country music fans and stuff where I was like, nope, want nothing to do with that there, buddy of mine. <laughs> so that is formative still, though, in, a, in the negative way. <laughs> My brother is really into heavy metal, but I'm not. We grew up in the same environment with the same parents, and we both studied philosophy. How do you explain this difference? It sounds terribly stereotypical, but I'm going to say it anyway. Women are less likely to listen to noisy music. In terms of rock music, gender differences have only started to disappear in recent years. But death metal and grunting, for example, are still less popular among women. Of course, there's also an individual element to this, as well as your environment, your own personality influences your taste in music, too. But it's less likely in women. I would say as a general rule, it's probably true. And if you find yourself a rock and roll woman who will send you Danzig or Rage Against the Machine, you might want to hold on to her tightly as i am (laughs) (laughs) well i always say that there are guy bands and there are girl bands like i've gone to see pantera a bunch of times and you go to a pantera show and it's a sausage fest it's It's testosterone driven for sure yeah exactly same thing with a rush show go to a rush show and there's like no women around whatsoever none at all we had an engineer named kelly and Kelly went to the Russ concert I had gone to one time at White River. He says to me, did you notice the scent in the air? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, the scent of no sex spray that just kind of like hung over that entire show. <laughs> and he's the one that kind of like pointed out to me that it was very much, you know, a sausage fest. And there were like no women. I said, you know what? You're right. I didn't really. I saw almost no women at that show at all. Interesting. The article goes on to say, so your music taste also says something about your personality. There's a correlation between music taste and personality. My own research has shown that, for example, rock fans are generally a bit messier. They tidy their rooms less often. They're often a bit more depressed than the average person and a bit more awkward, too. A bit less inbred, though, than country music fans. So, <laughs> Right. People who are into mainstream pop music are usually a bit more cheerful. Hip-hop fans are often quite sociable and inclined to seek connections with other people. And fans of classical music are open to new experiences. But these correlations between music tastes and personalities aren't very strong. However, they are there. I'll take his word for it. I mean, I don't consider myself a sloppy person. I'm a rock fan, but um, 
I'm sure there's some grain of truth to what he's saying. What do I have to do to be completely blown away by new music again? It can be helpful to choose music that suits your mood in that particular moment. You'd rather not hear depressing music at a dance party. On top of that, it'll help if you listen to songs that match the music you discovered in your teenage years. Algorithms can be very useful for this. Yeah, or a program director at a local radio station who has the free time to explore new music and tell you, hey, here's a couple of new groups that you may actually like. I say this all the time in sales meetings in the world of radio, that most people don't have the free time as adults to be exploring all of this new music out there. You get locked in because it's, it's hard to explore. And algorithms, I would deny that, actually, that they tend to... You know, if you're on a Jack Johnson thing, they may recommend Dave Matthews, but they're not going much broader than that. So I actually think sometimes your good old local radio station may turn older people on to newer music in a effective sort of way. Especially, dude, if you get a programmer that is not uh, afraid to look around a little bit. We used to have a radio station in Seattle called The Mountain. I loved that radio yeah. station because it was uh, kind of a, a station that didn't, really have a format i mean it did but they were all over the place and you loved it all but i don't want a broad umbrella everything was under yeah you might want to get some actual humans to pick some of the new music it's not rocket science there's a Uh, bunch of unemployed programmers all over this country right now so hire some and i don't know if brewski if you're on spotify or not i know harnesses and i've got a spotify account but they came out with something uh, a week and a half two weeks ago is when i discovered it but they've got a dj now on your Spotify page. And if you okay. click the DJ, uh, he'll front sell and back sell songs and oh, he'll talk cool. to you and call you by name and stuff like that. Hey, Nick, I, I got this one for you. Yeah. Is it virtual? It must be. Yeah. It's yeah. Gotta be. I'm sure is. Yeah. It's got to be. But he'll go through your playlist of songs that you've hit up or, Hey, I noticed you've been listening. You listen to this song a lot in December of 2018. Here's wow. blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of cool, but. I like see we robots taking over the world and my playlist now. That's, <laughs> let's just hand everything over to artificial intelligence. So. It completely lacks heart, though. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it really does. It gets old after a while. Yeah. This article is coming to a close. There's a couple more things to say here, and this one is interesting to us all in this group anyway, and I hope it is for you, too. Uh, what about the relationship between drugs and music, she asked. First, music itself, already kind of a drug. Music has been around for as long as there have been humans. It's very deep into our brain. We've actually never found a culture without music. But indeed, certain drugs such as ecstasy allow for an even more intense perception of music. Under the influence of drugs, you can end up having the feeling of being in a waterfall of light, music, and tone. What's interesting about this is that you have to like the music already. If you're not into it, the drugs won't suddenly make you like it. My uh, memory serves correctly that my relationship with drugs and music was yeah. a fascinating relationship. Sure. Did you ever discover a new genre, though, while, you know, on Negative. Stoned or whatever? Nope. He was completely right about that for me anyway. Uh, I listened to the stuff that I loved when I was on drugs, and I did end up loving it even more and hearing a side of the music that I had never heard sober. I'm talking about ecstasy now. You know, drugs and music, like with all things drugs I mentioned before, they tend to enhance things. Um, it's why I'll, you know, when I ride the dirt bike or go ski, I'll take a few hits because it just sort of elevates my mood. 
Right. I already like those things, but it may elevate it. Yeah. I will tell you that I've realized I really, I have a hard time listening to Pink Floyd sober because I have so many good experiences <laughs> in my brain of tripping balls listening to Pink Floyd. And right. I will listen to the album all the way through. I can't listen to individual Pink Floyd songs. Even nowadays when I put it on, I put an album on. I don't just do, you know, the greatest hits of Pink Floyd or something. So, so that's exactly right, dude. It changes the way you listen to music and the way you see some of the music you love. Yeah. Uh, Brewski, did you do drugs? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. What are we talking? Pod, ecstasy? What are we talking about here? Doing lines? What? Coke? No, no. Mostly weed, uh, some mescaline here and there, mushrooms, nice. you know, that sort of stuff there. If I'm at a metal show, you know, it was mostly weed and, and that sort of thing. You like to drink and see a concert and dance a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I'm at a goth show, you know, it's mostly booze. It's kind of like a downer sort of thing. Sure. And, you know, well, could you so. enjoy any of those shows if you were sober or the drugs have to be part of it? No, don't have to be. I once saw Floyd live and that was sober. I but pick and I, choose with my shows. I, I, some people I go see Stone, some people I don't. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just the way I do it now in my adult life anyway. Yeah. I think I would still enjoy most of my favorites sober, but why would I be, you know? So it <laughs> <laughs> seems ridiculous. Right. This is where we get into the question of how old are you? Uh, I've been waiting right. for this answer. So, yes. All okay. right. So the question is, why does music become important again when you get very old? This is pretty basic. He says, we see, for example, that people who suffer from Alzheimer's sometimes no longer recognize their own family but they're still able to recognize the music from their childhood. Wow. Music really is the last thing to disappear from someone's memory. I've never heard that little statistic or factoid or whatever you want to call it. That's, that's interesting. I've had a few people in my life with Alzheimer's, and it is 100% true, dude. Wow. I mean, I've seen people close to me that uh, could not, not even remember really who I am and remember some things of the past, but really mentally sick with Alzheimer's, and you put music on, they could sing all the words. That gives me solace, I got to tell you. Not yeah. only for people that I've known that have suffered from that kind of thing, but I've just always assumed that at some day my brain's going to become Swiss cheese. Uh, but that makes me feel good to know that even if I'm you know, losing my cognitive abilities, I'll still recognize Pearl Jam or Dave Matthews or something. That, that Seriously, I mean, that makes me feel good to know that even if I'm in that you know, withered state that I can still uh, hold on to my music. To that point, Nick, uh, there was a, a video that circulated on the internet a few years ago, and it was this woman who was in her 90s with Alzheimer's, and when she was in her 20s and early 30s, she was one of the most known ballerinas in the world. Oh, I think I saw this, dude. And they put headphones on her and they played her the music uh, that she used to dance to. And even though she was in a wheelchair and she couldn't dance anymore, she immediately like perked up completely. Sort went of conducting. From, like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, but she was moving her arms yeah. like she was doing ballet. But she went from just kind of slumped over in the wheelchair. They put the headphones on her and the music. And then all of a sudden it's like a flower, like coming to life. Yeah. And then you you see the smile on her face, and then her arms come out like, like she's about to do a ballet pose, but she can't because of her her legs aren't really working. But that music sure brought her back, brought her back, yeah, yeah. and gave her that uh, fulfillment again. So there's the thing, dude. Music it will get you when you're young. It'll get you when you're old for sure. But uh, there's a comfort in music that apparently is the last thing to disappear from someone's memory. 
That's amazing to hear kind of how it ebbs and flows throughout the life. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've said this before on the radio that, you know, music is the one thing that everyone likes. We all like different types of music, but I have never met someone who's just like, I don't like any music ever. Don't play me. Like everyone <laughs> likes some sort of music. Yeah. There is something very universal about that. And yeah. it's interesting to hear how your brain can track it through your developmental years. And even if it does fade on you at some point in life, it's good to know it sticks there and it'll come back to you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, when you gave your big talk, uh, about, uh, energy in life, uh, cause you don't believe in God, but you believe in this energy, yes. uh, that we continue to have after we die and it's all a part of the world. Yep. That's so music, dude. I mean, yeah. music is always around us and yes. making you, moods and changing moods. And yes. It can affect you that way. You can feel it resonate in your body and you can feel it resonate in your soul. And, uh, you know, if you ask my kids the classic question, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, did it make a sound? They know the correct answer that, of course, it did, because sound waves are a tangible, physical thing. They can be measured. They can be manipulated. They can be saved, recycled, repeated. They are a real thing. Yeah. And I think that speaks to how it does settle into your heart, your soul, your mind. You can feel the reverberations. Even deaf people like to feel the music, the bass. Right. That's fascinating, it. dude, that they will, uh, deaf people will go to a concert to, even if there's not someone signing, just to feel the yeah. music. That's and incredible. feel the energy of the people around you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. That's why, yeah, part of why concerts are so fun. It's that like-minded, you're a group atmosphere. It's a group you know, connectivity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really right. cool. Did they say what is old on that, by the way? Just Alzheimer's age? Did they give me an age range to go off of? I realize uh, not to be insensitive because some younger people can get Alzheimer's. I'm assuming that in this article that he was sort of speaking about, you know, that older 70s, 70s, 80s, you know. Okay. I'll accept that then since we're young and spry, all of us. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, there it is, gentlemen. That's That's, music. I like that. That was a good little discussion. So It was. appreciate it. Yeah. We've made the world a better place today. I feel good right now. Let's go attack the world, gentlemen. Yes, exactly. And it's the Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve Olabruski. Thank you for listening to the podcast and see us on our webpage, thevocalminority.net. Peace, peace. Test one, two, test one, two. Stop.